This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith in a culture against faith. All right. So we're still talking about feminism. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about why feminism needs to exist. Okay. Um, and I think the easy answer to that question is toxic masculinity. The easy answer to that question is women suffer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. But why do women suffer? Because toxic men. Yes, because of toxic men. And when we first started talking about this idea of, when Cullen and I first started talking about talking about toxic masculinity on this podcast, I felt like it would be helpful to split it up into two episodes and do one episode on the social implications of toxic masculinity and what we see in society. And then in the second episode, narrow it down to more of a church context. Um, Ooh, yeah. Did you see the report that just came out about the Catholic Church? Uh-uh. The 2,500-page report? Uh, yeah, I can I can do that. Oh, my gosh. We're, I can do that. <clears throat> no, there's so much material for it. It is unfortunate that there is an infinite amount of material for it. But kind of the the framework for this episode, and I kind of want to lay it out for everyone because I might step on some toes um, or we collectively might step on some toes and we're also going to tell uh, our own stories and experiences with toxic masculinity as being men. Um, how it impacted us and how we became toxic like it and through our own faith journeys and struggles and we are fighting our toxic natures well Um, i think i think part of it is just becoming more learned right uh just educating yourself and 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 learning the issues and and i say this all the time i'm very well read yeah. But I struggle being very well learned because I used to struggle and still do at times, but it's like the main thing I'm working on right now is I struggle listening, not hearing, listening. I can listen to audiobooks and podcasts and hear all of it, but listening to individual <laughs> stories is something that I think is really important for someone who's trying to learn and better themselves. Yeah. And listening to the stories of women has been extremely helpful in my own journey of like trying to rid myself of all my toxic traits. Agreed. Um, But that's also not listening is a very stereotypical toxic male trait. It, yes. Um, Not the only kind of people that don't listen. Right. 
but historically, it's kind of a telltale sign it, for a toxic male. It, it's very stereotypical. Um, because even when you're talking with your homies, yeah, you're not listening. You're, you're thinking you're about wa- your comeback. Yeah, you're waiting for your next opportunity to cut them down. To strike. That's right. Um, and you're waiting for them to say something stupid that you can make fun of. Well, and... You know, unfortunately, one of the, you know, one of the reasons that um, the Karate Kid movie was so successful was because it's the underdog who beats the toxic toxic male. But they are the epitome of the toxic male. Do you know why? Hmm. Strike first, strike strike hard, hard, no no mercy. mercy. Yeah. That if you were, if you were going to. You know, mm. Urban Dictionary's definition of the toxic male is strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Like I just that if that was on no, there, no, I'd be like, on. "Okay, You're missing a very important piece of that too." Strike first, strike hard, no mercy, sir. Yeah, I mean the sir right there asserting dominance. Yeah, um, that there's and, a pack leader to this cult. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. um, what what's his name? The old dude. Oh, I don't remember. Um, I can't remember either. Cobra Kai. It's coming yeah, back. I'm yeah, super yeah, excited. Yeah. Um, but no. Um, fundamentally, toxic masculinity is a thing that has always existed. Yes. I, I firmly true. believe that. Um, we see elements of it. We were just talking about it yesterday. Exactly, we see elements of it in Adam in, in chapter 3. Shifting all of the blame off of himself onto God and Eve. Yep. The woman that you gave me. Yep. Right. And it just concentrated. We see as sin develops. Mm-hmm. Um, Cain feels inadequate. And yep. how does he deal with that? He kills his brother. He kills his brother. Toxic man. Right? Yep. Not knowing how to properly express and deal with emotions. It comes out as violence. Yep. And we see this throughout the rest of history. Yeah, this literally sort of the rest of existence. This, this sort of... I'm a man and I feel inadequate in some way. I have some sort of insecurity. Yeah. I have some sort of emotion that I don't want to deal with. Right. So I take it out on other people. Yep. Um, and so with that idea that it goes back that far, I am willing to say That if you are a man, there has been moments in your life that you were a toxic man. Um, And I will also be willing to say. (laughs) I might be so bold as to say that if you're a man and you think there are no versions of you that are toxic. You're toxic. All of you is (laughs) toxic. toxic. (laughs) Uh, And even further back than that or even more widespread if you're a woman 
every man that you have known mm-hmm. is either toxic or has had moments of toxicity. Yep. Um, 100%. And now that we've established that ground, <clears throat> while this is a hard, this is going to be a hard conversation. While me and Cohen and our father have come to a point where we realized the error of our ways in our toxicity, um, and trying to fight those things as well, our dad raised us the best that he could with what he was given. His dad raised him the best that he could with what he was given. And when you're given the example of a toxic man, you might see elements of that and you're like, yeah, I will never do that to my kids. But unknowingly, you pick up some of those things. Um, and And that imparts on how you raise your children. Um, and now I'm not painting my dad as the bad guy. Don't hear that. Um, what I'm saying is that the further you go back in history and a genealogy, the more concentrated the toxicity gets. Um, we were raised in a household where... Let's start with the strengths first. Let, let's start there. Well, I think um, before that, uh, a, a piece that I want to point out in this kind of lineage that you're talking about is what happens is when, when you have a toxic male figure and you live for a season or an extended season in an inferior position to that toxic mm-hmm. person, you take the things that they did that were most harmful to you. Yeah. And you make sure you don't carry those in the line, but you can't fully fix yourself because you've experienced Mm -hmm. trauma. And so things that are still toxic become normal and you don't do the thing that most hurt you, but you still do a lot of toxic things. And so then that goes down the line. So each continual line is degrading the toxicity, but they're still toxic. Yes. Um, and that's social learning theory. Mm-hmm. So, for an example of social learning theory, if a father abused their son, how do you think their going to treat their kids some level of abuse yeah with some experience of abuse may not be the exact same abuse but some level because they don't know how that's the only way that they know how to communicate is Mm -hmm. through some level of abuse yep because that's how you were learned yep you were learned you were learned that way that's right um and So, 
starting with the strengths of our family in relation to toxic masculinity, our mom always had equal say. Mm, Um, No, that's not true. Our mom majority of the time had equal say. But I can remember several times where I would hear mom say things like, well, dad's the spiritual leader of our household, so I'm going to default to him. So even in that, whether dad put that there or mom put that upon herself, because we're also talking about family systems theory here. Right. No, that's also true. Um, And so depending on what mom's (laughs) makeup within her own nuclear family structure was, um, she kind of takes on some of those traits in her new role. Mm-hmm. So, however it's playing out, whether dad put it within her or she had it to begin with, there was still a level that if that if a decision must be made, dad's decision was going to have more weight than hers unless he chose to give hers more weight, which he did a lot, fairly often. Um, I I also remember mom fighting dad a lot on certain decisions. I remember that. Yeah. Um. I do remember that. Meaning, At times. Meaning that majoritively it was an egalitarian household. Um, and they carried equal weight. Um, so that is one area of our family that was good. Um, and that deviates from toxic masculinity or traditional toxic masculinity. And I was talking about my dad with this last night. Um, Through no fault of his own, just doing the best that he knew how based on what he was given, right? As we've set this up. We were raised... In ways that showing emotion was not was not the norm. I'm um, I'm having a hard time wording this and trying to talk through it because I know our dad listens to this, and I don't yeah. want him to feel like the bad guy. Well, um, let me try. I've got some good stories that can kind of capture the spirit of it without being too harsh. Um, first, I want to say to our dad's credit, I remember being a kid going, men don't show feelings. I never remember thinking men don't show affection. Right. Because our household was a very affectionate household. That is a very good point. And so there... And and maybe that's a little bit of like the that's degradation piece. Yeah, like, it's definitely a strengths piece. Like not having feelings did not equate not showing affection. Yeah, those things were mutually exclusive of one another. But I can remember being in elementary school, and we lived in a terrible little oil filled house. It was it was not much, but it was home. And there was always something wrong with it. And I don't remember exactly what we were working on, but we were working on something. And 
we were always that's the other thing i will we say always were a strength together. of our childhood however you want to phrase it uh, I have I have learned myself into a pretty decent tradesman when it comes to fixing crap on houses. Literally this morning, dude, I swear, on this same note, I walk into my field placement and our administrator is changing a door. And he was like, you could tell that he was wanting help, but he didn't want to ask. Yeah. And I was like, you need some help? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, if you could just blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then he calls me later and he says, hey, can you take the, the lock off that door? You know how to do that, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. you, bro. <laughs> Not a question. Um, and then I essentially put the door up and like all these things. <laughs> yeah. Another good strength is. Yeah, it is. But Dad taught us a lot. He did. And I remember something had happened. And we were fixing something. And I remember it. I think the kitchen sink was leaking is what it was. And or there was a problem with the piping or we were replacing something because we'd cut a hole in the floor. And I'm sitting in the kitchen cab. I'm like in the kitchen, in the cabinet, looking down as dad's outside under the floor fixing something. And we've been at it for a while, and Dad's pretty upset. And Mom walks in and goes, hey, Kevin, I need to talk to you. Um, your grandmother just died. Grandma where? And they talk for a few minutes logistically. Okay, when's the funeral? How do we get there? All these kinds of things. So they're talking, and... You know, a few minutes goes by and dad goes, well, I got to finish this. So let me finish and then we'll finish talking. So we go there for a minute and it was just dead silent. And I just remember after, you know, maybe 30 seconds or so looking down at our dad and going, hey, dad, do you want me to do this? So you have a minute. And our dad goes, no, I need to keep my mind busy. That's a class... As looking back on that moment now, that's the classic sign of somebody that doesn't want to look like they're feeling. It doesn't want to have to deal. Yeah. And and I don't think that our dad will mind us talking about this because he said it at a well not too long ago um, with other people there. Yeah. He likes to, he doesn't like to, but he just made the comment that there's this box. I've heard him make this comment several times. Yeah, he just puts things in a box. Um, it's almost like the traumas of the world. He can put them in a box, lock it, mm -hmm. and throw away the key. And I didn't realize until recently that I was doing the same thing. And that right there is not wanting to deal. Yep. And <clears throat> not wanting to have to deal, not wanting to have to look weak like you've got problems. 
Um, and what does that result in? It results in violence. Um, Pent up anger. Which comes out in so many different ways. Yep. Um, it can come out in actual physical violence. Or it can come out in... Self-destructive behavior. Self-destructive behavior or um, talking crap about your buddies. I remember lots of times growing up, people thought I was a jerk. When I wasn't meaning to be. Yeah. I was making jokes because that's how I knew to communicate. (laughs) And in our household... Like, making jokes was all good fun. Yeah. Um, or it seemed to be. Well, um, and it... it and it, some is. it was. And it, like, and... That and was a weird way that our family communicated affection. You know what else was a weird way that our family communicated affection? Is when we got in high school and we decided that the most affectionate thing you could do to someone is walk up behind them and frog the mess out of the back of their arm yeah yeah dude i forgot about that that's a good example both of those are categorical like expressions Mm -hmm. of people affected by toxic masculinity and and not only that i remember countless times when you and i were kids that we would have arguments that would almost end in blows yeah, I mean, that's not entirely true because I was six years older than Clayton. And so, yeah, what, the 18-year-old brother is going to beat the mess out of the 12-year-old younger brother? Oh, I was no. talking about when we were in younger than that, though. Oh, uh, well, even still, I mean, 12 I mean, to 6? Yeah. I mean, it's not really much of a fight. You. you did. You did. And I, I remember can remember when you were times. three, you did punch me. Yeah. Uh, I actually remember multiple times, though, you threatened to punch me. Uh, that's probably true. <laughs> also a trait of toxic masculinity. Yeah, like, this was, this is our story with toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll get more of it on when I've got to talk next week about the church side. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I've got personal stories dealing with it in those settings also. But. That my dad's not the butt of these stories. No. That fundamentally, at a very basic level, is toxic masculinity. Yep. And why feminism needs to exist. Not only does toxic masculinity breed other toxic males, Mm -hmm. historically, Toxic males oppress women. Yes. Um, and take advantage of women. Yes. Um, why do you think the Me Too movement even happened? Why do you think the Church Too movement even happened? Why do you think any movement that, largely any movement that begins with women happens? I mean, for goodness sakes, even the beauty of the Bible, it calls them the weaker vessel. Yeah. And... I know lots of people get angry when society paints 
the white male as the villain. But if I can just be completely honest, historically and largely, the white male is the villain. Um, Historically, the white male is the worst and arguably the most oppressive of all people. We, you and I, Mm -hmm. people that look like us, were the reason that women didn't have the right to vote. Mm -hmm. That they couldn't have jobs. And that now, they're the reason that they can't get equal pay. Mm -hmm. We're the reason that the glass ceiling exists. Mm -hmm. And if you need more examples on what that is, um, like message me, email me, whatever, we'll talk about it. We are the reason, people that look like us, are the reason that women don't have the same freedoms that they should. Um, (laughs) I was listening to Dave Chappelle's new special last night. You didn't know he had a new special? On on what? On Netflix. It's going to be his last one for a while. No, I did not. I'm about to go watch it right now. Yeah, um, really good. Um, And he's telling this story about this interaction that he had with a feminist. (laughs) I'm not going to tell the story. I can already see it now. I'm not going to tell the story. Um, But he said, I didn't actually know what a feminist was. And then he said what he thought a feminist was that I will not repeat (laughs) on a public platform. (laughs) Gotta love Dave, but he uh, uses some wordy dirds. Yeah. um, But he said, I Googled the definition, the Webster definition of a feminist. It is someone who believes in equal rights for women. And based on that, I consider myself a feminist. Dave. Who most of America thinks is a misogynistic butthole. Considers himself a feminist. Because he does believe in equal rights for women. And I believe that. When he says it, I believe it. Um... This is the same man that told all men that if they didn't have a vagina, they needed to shut their mouth in the abortion conversation. Exactly. Doesn't shock me at all that this man thinks that he's a feminist. It doesn't me either. But he could also be a really good example for a toxic male. Or at least having experiences with toxic masculinity. Because he's a charismatic person in front of large crowds making or fun bo- of all borderline of narcissistic yeah which really makes me think no matter your level of toxicity no matter your state of life 
if you can come to a point where you are just unhappy, and Dave talks about this too, if you can come to a point where you are just unhappy with oppression, you're on the right track. And so to all my toxic males out there, and that's all of us, I'm just, that's, that's all of us. I want you to sit where you are right now and ask yourself the question and be honest with yourself. Are you actually unhappy with the state of oppression in our world? Or are you comfortable? Have you even thought about it? If you haven't thought about it, maybe you should. If you think that you're comfortable, ask why. Well, look, here's the deal. No matter who you are listening to this podcast, toxic male, oppressed woman, whoever you are, you're going to see the world how you want to see the world. Historically, toxic males benefit from a toxic masculinity culture, so they don't care to see the world any different. My question to you is, what do you think the words of Jesus have to say in a conversation about toxic masculinity when he looks at his disciples and says, The last will be first, and the first will be last. Mm.